Amen. Let's all stand. We want to go to the Lord in prayer. And I'm going to ask Brother Mike Bennett, if he will, to come and open us up. <clears throat> Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, dear God, for this day, this opportunity that you've given us to come to your house, dear Lord. I want to thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for your son, dear God, who, <clears throat> excuse me, who gave it all, dear God, to, uh, to go up on that cross for us, dear Heavenly Father, to uh, sacrifice, dear Heavenly Father, that he gave for us, dear Lord, the love, dear God, that he showed to us. We ask, dear Heavenly Father, this day, dear God, that, that we may show that love to each other, dear Heavenly Father. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we, we ask for your blessings on Brother John as he brings a message this morning, dear Heavenly Father, and touch each and every heart here, dear God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all you do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Man, remain standing, page 150. <laughs> Oh, 
and over you can bring them at this time well it is good to see all of you this morning we appreciate all of you being here and our visitors thank y'all for coming and pray that you'll get a blessing from Jesus while you're here 
make some quick announcements this coming Saturday at 10 o'clock here at the church. We're going to be having a church cleanup day, a work day. So if you will, please come and meet us here. And right after morning meeting, right after the meeting this morning, Sister Megan would like to meet all the young ladies over there in the fellowship hall just for a brief meeting. Brother Terry texted me a little bit earlier this past week and asked if I'd sing a special. And uh, I want to say this. It's an honor and a joy to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been one of the most interesting journeys that I've ever been on in my life. And sometimes it can get intense. But I am thankful to be a part of what God is doing. And I love serving Him because I get to serve you. And... uh, Get to be with you, and I appreciate God being so good to me. It's called, I Was Born to Serve the Lord. From the dust of the earth, God created man, his breath made. A living soul for God so loved this world that he gave his only son and that is why I love him so I was made in his likeness Created in his image, for I was born to serve the Lord, and I can't deny him. I will always walk beside him, for I was born to serve the Lord. My hands were made to help my neighbor. My eyes were made to read God's Word. My feet were made to walk in His footsteps. My body is the temple of the Lord. I was made in His likeness, created in His image. For I was born to serve the Lord. And I can't deny Him. Him, for I was born to serve the Lord. I will serve.
because I love thee for I was born to serve the Turning to the book of Revelation chapter 3 this morning. Revelation chapter 3. When you find that passage of scripture, if you'll stand to honor the reading of God's word. Revelation chapter number 3. Does anyone remember what I preached last Sunday? Pop quiz, pop quiz. I preached on last day's faith and the importance that faith is in a child of God's life and how we need more faith to finish out our days until Jesus comes. And I'm so glad to believe and know that he is coming again. Amen. Revelation chapter 3, this morning we want to preach on this thought on last day's church. The last day's church. Out of Revelation chapter number 3, we'll explain where we get our thought from in just a moment as we go into this, into the message for the day. He says beginning in verse number 14, the word of God reads like this. It says, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, thou, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, and even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We'll take this passage of Scripture, verses 14 through 22, Revelation 3, and preach on this thought on the last day's church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, this morning as we come before you, I'm asking God that you please touch me. Lord, give me the liberty of the Spirit of God to be able to preach this message in your power and demonstration of that same Spirit. 
Lord, may I have a clean heart and a right spirit about me to be able to preach this, be effective, and, and Lord, to preach it and feed your sheep well. I love you, Lord, and I sure do thank you for loving me and being always being there for us. Lord, I mean it from the depths of my heart. It's not just a song I sing. It is an honor and a privilege to serve you. So, Lord, with that, with that heart, come before you this morning asking God that you might help me to serve these dear people. I thank you and love you for all things that you'll do for us all. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus I pray and ask these things. All of God's people said, amen and amen. <clears throat> Is this my water? Thank you. Uh, it tastes like Terry water. Amen. <laughs> Revelation three fourteen through 22 records for us the, the seventh and final letter that Jesus Christ wrote to seven different churches, which were literal churches in Asia Minor in the days of John's writing. Um, just as the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, gives us the beginning and how everything began, the book of Revelation tells us how everything will end. And also, just as the book of Genesis tells us the order of how everything began. We read, this was done the first day, this was done the second day, third day, right on through. The book of Revelation also lays out an order for us of God's calendar or God's timeline of the events leading up to the end of the world. And Revelation 1 is an introduction into the book of Revelation. And it tells, it discloses to us how John got this revelation. An angel came down and showed John all these things, and as he was showing, John wrote it all down. And then John says that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, that's not Sunday, even though we call Sunday the Lord's day. That was a particular day in which John was translated into to see all the things that he saw, which are yet future to you and I. And he was told to write, and he heard a voice. And this voice he sound was as a, a great trumpet talking with him. He turns around to see this voice which spake unto him. And John said, when I turned around, he said, I saw one like the Son of Man. And there he was, standing there. And he was standing in the very middle of seven golden candlesticks. At the end of the book of Revelation chapter 1, John is told what those seven golden candlesticks are. He's told that they are the churches of, of Asia Minor, the seven churches. And so he sees Jesus standing right in the middle of the churches, all of them, all seven of them. But by the time you get to the very last letter, of the last writing to the churches, Jesus is seen standing on the outside of the church, knocking, wanting to get back in. Can I say this? That He belongs in the church. He belongs in the middle of the churches. He also longs to be in the churches. And something has happened to where 
the churches have progressively just kept shoving Jesus out of the churches. I've got a series of messages that I preach from all seven letters that I entitle Seven Steps to the Back Door. In other words, Jesus is no longer wanted in this church of Laodicea. He's no longer needed in their mind that they can, they can have church without Jesus. I'm just of the other mind. We cannot have church without Jesus Christ. How we need Him in this day, especially this hour of which we live. We need Jesus walking in the midst of our church. Can I get an amen right there? These seven letters to these seven churches represent the church age from its beginning to its end. And just as the church had a beginning, it will have an ending and it will end whenever Jesus calls up the church from this world. I'm glad to know that I'm not going to live in this world forever. I'm glad to know that this world is not my home. I'm glad to know that one day Jesus himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout. The voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ are going to rise. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a glorious truth. What a glorious knowledge to know that one day Jesus is coming back to rapture the church out of this sinful, wicked world. And it is just that. As I said, by the time you get to the end of those seven letters, and I believe they represent the church age in a particular order of the church age, by the time you get to the end, Jesus is standing on the outside wanting to get back in. I want to preach just for a little while to all of our hearts. I want to preach on the last day's church. I want us to first consider the person who is talking to this church. It's none other than Jesus Christ. He personally sits down with John and he dictates from his heart to this church a personal letter. And this church has been, this letter has been preserved for all of us down through the ages where we can read this letter to the church of Laodicea. And we'll describe some of this as we go through this message. But I want us to first consider the person who's talking is none other than Jesus Christ. Now, I believe this with all of my heart. I believe this entire Bible is written by Jesus Christ. I believe this entire Bible is God's letter, His love letter to every one of us. And I'm so glad that He's written me a book and told me the truth about everything. Told me the truth about myself. Told me the truth about Himself. And told me how I could be saved. Told me I was lost and on my way to hell told me that I needed to be saved, needed to be born again, and told me exactly how to go about that. And Thank God for this blessed Bible, which is God's love letter to us all. I'm glad I heard the words of Jesus one day, my heart telling me that I needed to be saved by the grace of God. And thank God I came to Him one glorious day. 
bowed my knees and said, Lord, save me. And he did exactly that because he's a man of his word. He always keeps his promises. This is who is writing this letter to this church of Laodicea. And then he goes on to describe himself. He says, I am the amen. And I say it like this. I'm glad that I've got me a Jesus shout. I'm glad I've got something to shout about when it comes to Jesus. Well, there's all kind of shouts in this world today. There's political shouts. Everybody's shouting this and shouting that. They shout when their candidate wins. They shout when their candidate leads. And there's political shouts. There's sports shouts. Whenever anybody's team is leading in the cause and leading in the in the in the, the, the battle, they shout. They shout at touchdowns. They shout at field goals. They shout at goals made. They shout at this and shout. There's a sports shout. There's a money shout. People shout when they get a little money in their pocket. I'll do that every once in a while myself. Amen. Somebody hand me a little change to put in my pocket. And I, I have me a little shout about that. There's a money shout. But I'm so glad I got more than the sports and the political arena and the money to shout about. I'm glad I got a shout in my soul that Jesus put there one day when he saved my soul. And we need to, we need to utilize that shout more and more in these days of which we live. He said, I'm the amen. All the promises of God in him are amen to the glory of God the Father. Thank God I got a Jesus shout down in my soul. But then he says, I'm the faithful and true witness. He said, I'm the one that will always tell you the truth. I never will lie to you. Unlike the devil who is, the, is a liar and the father of all lies. Every lie that's ever been told, the devil's been standing in the shadows, whispering in somebody's ear and telling them and tempting them to tell a lie. Can I get a witness right there? He's the father of all lies, but on the other side of the spectrum is the one who is the truth, the way, and the life. And thank God, I know him who will never lie to us. He said, I'm the amen. I'm the faithful and true witness. Then he goes on to describe himself this way. He said, I'm the beginning of the creation of God. Everything that was created was created by this one writing the letter, Jesus Christ. He is the one who spoke everything into existence. He's the one who said in the beginning, let there be light and there was light. He said, let there be the earth and there was the earth. He said, let there be the stars and there were the stars. He said, let there be a sun and a moon in the sky, and there was the sun and the moon. He created everything that ever has been created. That's who's writing this letter. He said, I'm the one. Got something I need to say to you. I got something on my heart, he says. And I want to write it down so that you don't miss what I got to say. But then I want us to notice, secondly, the penetrating truth. He says, I know thy works. I know thy works. Jesus knows what we're doing. He knows what we do. He knows what we don't do. <laughs> oh my. He knows what we do. He knows what we don't do. He knows what we have done and what we haven't done. He knows why and he knows why we don't. He knows everything about our lives. He knows 
exactly where we are this morning. He said, I know thy works. And he said that thou art neither cold nor hot. He said, he said, there's something about you that's just missing in your life. He said, you're not cold with it. You're not hot with it. You're just kind of middle of the road with it. He said, you're just right in the middle of all of this. He said, what you're doing, you're doing half-hearted. What you're doing, you're not doing because you're in love with me, because you're on fire for me. He said, what you're not doing, you're not doing because you're cold. He said, you're just kind of in the middle with this thing. And he said, because thou sayest, this is what made them lukewarm. And by the way, when he said you're lukewarm, he used a very graphic description of how that made him feel. He said, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot. He said, I would you were cold or hot, one or the other. He said, but you're just right in the middle. And can I say this, that that is the hardest bunch of people to try to get to do anything for God, those who are lukewarm. That's the hardest bunch of people to preach to, those that are just lukewarm. And, and God's men down through the ages have always had to deal with those who were lukewarm. Moses, standing one day to a sinning bunch of nation of Israel, he said, he said, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come over here to me. I mean, they were just lukewarm. And he had to call them to come to him if they were going to take a stand for God. In the days of Elijah, to God's people, this is what Elijah preached. He said, how long, Hoche, between two opinions? If God be God, then serve him. If Baal be God, then serve him. Get on one side or the other. Quit being in the middle with this thing. And then, and then Jesus had to look at his own disciples one day. Some had already turned their back on him or walking away. He looked at his own disciples. He said, will ye also go away? I mean, all through the history of God and man, there's had to be men's, God's men get up and preach to some lukewarm people. But this is a lukewarm church. This is a church who has gone lukewarm on God. They're not cold. They're not hot. They're just kind of in the middle. They're just, they're just, they're going through the motions. They're not really there. They're not really out. They're just in the middle. They're just lukewarm. And, the, and Jesus said, I want to tell you how that makes me feel. He said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. In other words, he was saying this, and this is exactly what that word spew means. He said, you make me want to vomit. That's exactly that's how graphic that expression is. He said, because you're doing what you're doing and you're just half-hearted with it. He said, you make me sick. You make me sick. And he said, he said, this is what you're saying about yourself. He said, you're saying I'm rich. I'm rich. I've got, I've got more, more money than I've ever dreamed I'd ever have. And can I say this? That prosperity is a dangerous thing in some people's lives. Oh, we've got, we used to, it, it meant something to be a millionaire. But now we've got more millionaires now today than we've ever had on planet Earth. Matter of fact, they've, they've gone past the millions and they're bragging about being billionaires. And I read an article the other day. It said in our generation where we see the first trillionaire industry. I mean, they're already looking way out there and wanting to become not just millionaires or billionaires. They've set their sights on becoming trillionaires and they want to make as much money as they can 
Amen. But can I say this? That whenever money's got you, you're on dangerous ground. Whenever money's got your heart, whenever money's got your mind, whenever money's got your life, you are on dangerous ground, the Word of God says. He said, this is what you're saying about yourself. I'm rich. And he said, I'm increased with goods. The church has got more things today than we've ever had. I heard a preacher this morning on the TV as I was getting ready. He's preaching and he was saying, he was preaching along the line of riches and things like that. I couldn't believe it because I knew what God had put on my heart to preach. And uh, he was preaching about riches and he was talking about things and having things. He said the church of, of this day in America has got more things than we've ever had before. We've got padded pews. We've got heat and air. We've got good lighting. We've got everything that you could ever think of. I mean, if we want it, we get it. It doesn't matter. We don't have to pray about it. We got the money. We can buy it. We can put it in. We can get it here. We can do this. We can do that. We're, we're just, we've got to a place where material things have gotten us. That preacher said this. He said, you ought to go to some of these poor countries. He said, you ought to do some traveling if you really want to see what poverty is. He said, we act like, act like we can't hardly make it. And we rode to church in an air-conditioned car that cost 80 grand, and we can't hardly make it. I'm, not, I'm talking about America is a spoiled nation today. I better get an amen right there. America is, is so spoiled. We're spoiled rotten. We have become so rotten that the church of Jesus Christ has become lukewarm. I mean, you hear a lot of preachers preach today and they're politically correct. They're scared to death to hurt anybody's feelings. They're scared to death to get up and preach what that book says anymore. Oh, they'll hit the love part of it, but they won't go over there where Jesus rebukes and chastens anybody. Oh, they'll hit the real nice stuff, but they won't go into that stuff that's heavy and, and hard on, the, on some people. Oh, they want to just be politically correct and stay in the middle with everything. They don't want to hurt the Congress because they might lose some ties. They don't want to hurt this one or hurt that one because they might lose some members. I'm telling you that we need to get back to a day and age where a preacher will get up and preach what thus saith the Lord and preach it for the glory of God. Let God tend to the rest. Amen. He said, you're increased with goods. He said, this is what you're saying about yourself. He said, you're saying I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. And here's the sad Sad, sad part of it all. This is what they were saying. I don't need anything. I don't need a thing. They go through a service. They get to the end of a service. They don't see any need to pray. They get to an end of a service. They don't see any need to respond. I've got everything. I don't need it. Oh, that one's sitting over there on the other side. That message may have been for them, but it wasn't for me. Oh, that one over there, they needed that. Oh, yeah, that preacher was preaching hard and heavy to them, but I don't need anything. A sad day when we get to a point in our lives where we think I don't need anything. And I say it like this. I, God dealt with me right here about this when I was just kind of meditating on all this, these thoughts. I've said this and I still say it. Jesus is all we need. He's all we need. I'll say it big and I'll say it, I'll say it loud. He's all we need. Jesus is all we need. 
sometimes we get to the point where we think he's all we need, period. Oh, no. I need more and more and more and more of him. I never get to a point where I, I can just put a period after that. I need more Jesus. I need more of God in my life. We all need more of God in our lives. Can I, can I get an amen from God's people? We need God in this hour of which, which we live. He said, he said, these are the things that you're saying about yourself. I'm rich. I'm, I'm increasingly good. I've got everything I need. My pantry's full. My gas tank's full. I got everything that I need. When I get back home, I got something waiting on the, at the house for me to eat. I can go out and get go to a restaurant and eat. I don't need nothing. I don't. Matter of fact, I'm so I'm so I'm so satisfied. I don't even need Jesus anymore. I can live this life with that. See, that's where this church had gotten to. This entire church has got Jesus standing on the outside, begging to come back in, wanting to come back in. He's standing outside the church. This is not somebody's heart that we're talking about. This is a church and Jesus standing outside, wanting back in. It, it, would, uh, it would probably shock us. We could ride around Gainesville today and with spiritual eyes look at the front door of churches and we'd see somebody standing out on the front door, knocking on the front door. And it'd be Jesus. The amount of churches in this one county who have outed Jesus Christ and said, we, we got this thing. We can do this now without you. We're, we've gotten to a point where we're so refined now. We're so used to everything. We've done it so many times. We sang the songs. That, that we got to memorize. We, we, we got the, the scripture. We don't even need a Bible anymore. We can go without a Bible to church. We just, we can go, we can sit there and listen to what the preacher says and, and let him rip and let him go on the way he does. And it don't faze me. See, that's the way this church had gotten. Jesus standing outside. He said, he said, because thou sayest, I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I have need of nothing, but this is what Jesus said. But thou knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind. He said, I see you for what you are. He said, I'm looking at you with my eyes. This is not the eyes of another man. This is not the eyes of some human being. This is the eyes of Jesus Christ. He says, I see you for what you really are. You're miserable, poor, blind, naked. Oh, what a sad state for any church, any people to get their lives into. Where we're so self-sufficient. We don't need anything anymore. I, I, I'll get into that in just a minute. I believe this with all my heart. When we come into the house of God, we ought to come in knowing I, won't, I need something. We may not even know what it is, but Lord, I need something. I need something. Lord, I, 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 I need, Lord, I just want more of you. 
I want more of you in my life. I need more of you in my life. Oh God, I can't keep going like this. I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm tired of being lukewarm. I'm tired of neither being cold nor hot. I'm just in the middle. And by the way, when you try to straddle the fence, you sure do walk funny. Lukewarm Christian walks funny. Trying to keep one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and that's where they are. They're just kind of lukewarm. Pleading teacher is my next thought for this message. He said, I want to I counsel thee. Me and Miss Debbie, we've done some counseling down through the years and uh, for different reasons. And uh, somebody might have a particular issue, or maybe a couple. We've done some counseling down through the years and we usually meet here at the office down at the church or maybe maybe at the house and we'll sit there and we'll talk and we'll listen. But Jesus now has called the church into his office. He says, I want to counsel you about something. This is, this is his determination. He says, I, you need this. He said, you need to buy of me gold tried in the fire. You know what that is? Exactly what I preached on last Sunday. Faith. Jesus... Uh, in the book of Peter, Peter wrote these words. He said that the trying of your faith is more precious than of gold that perisheth. You can have all the gold in the world and it does not hold the value of the faith of Jesus Christ. He said, I want you to buy me some faith. Get some faith. Get faith in your life. He said, that's where you, that's the, that's the first thing I, I need to talk to you about is your faith. Your faith, something's happened to your faith. And he said this, I have to turn there. He said, not only your gold tried in the fire. <laughs> Can't see without my glasses. Then he says this, he says, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. You know what that is? That's the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ in our life. He says, you need my clothing on you. Paul said it like this. He said, I don't want to have my own righteousness. And you know, we can get mighty self-righteous in this life. I'm okay. I don't need nothing. I'm all right. Matter of fact, we're so good at it. We can go to church and be dying on the inside and somebody walk up and say, how you doing? We say, I'm great. That's called a church face. We all do it. I do it. I have to do it. I can't, I can't tell my real being or my heart at times to, to some, you know, you come up to, how you doing? Preach. My God, I'm dying. I can't be like that. But when I get home, I have to go to the one that really knows. I have to tell him, Lord, this, I'm just not right. Lord God, please help me. And sometimes all my prayer is, is Lord, help me. Lord, I don't even know what I need. Lord, please just help me. He says, I want you to buy me some gold right in the fire. He said, I want you to get you some white raiment. Then he says this, he said, and then anoint your eyes with salve, so you can see. I never knew what eye trouble was till I had multiple sclerosis. My eyes got whacked out the way that they did. 
and uh, never knew how that could affect your life. And I would have to wear one patch over one eye. And to this day, I still have some issues with my eyes. I told Debbie this morning, turned around, and I told her, I said, I said I've got this, this film over my eyes this morning. I can't see good. And my eyes just get like that at times. It's sometimes, sometimes I, I, I've been to the eye doctor about it. I've talked to Debbie about it. I've talked a lot to the Lord about it. At times, I cut my eyes to one side or up, down, whatever, and it'll make me so dizzy, I feel like I'm about to pass out, and it'll make me nauseous feeling. He says, here's what you need. He said, you need some eye salve. Put on your eyes so you can see. You know, we've got a spiritual set of eyes that can only see by faith. Our physical eyes may not be messed up, but our spiritual eyes. He says that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. Sometimes we just need God to open our eyes to where we can really see us. I got to thinking one time years ago, I got to thinking about this. and I was looking in a mirror, and guess who I saw? Saw me. And I got to thinking about this. I said, you know, I've never really seen me. And I never really have. You've never seen you either. You've seen a reflection. I can see Warren perfectly. That's why we're so good at judging others. We can see everybody else real good. But did you know you can't really see you? All you've ever seen of you is a reflection. I can see the back of my hand. I can see the top of my foot. Sometime. <laughs> Did you know you've never really seen you? That's why reading this Bible is so important. That's the only way we'll really see ourselves. Is from the truth of that book. That's the looking glass. that lets us see ourselves for who we really are. And we need those spiritual eyes opened up. Then there's the personal triumph. He says, to him that overcometh. Overcometh what? The spirit of this church. Spirit they'd allow themselves to get into. Lukewarm. Either cold or hot. Just kind of in the middle. And I say this. That is one of the most contentious things contentious spirits of this age that I've ever had to fight is just going lukewarm. Lord, I'll go, but I'll just kind of do it half-hearted. Lord, I'll go, but I'm, I'm not getting involved. Lord, I'll go, but I'm not going to be a part of it. Lord, I'll be there. But We need to be in this thing because Jesus loves us and we love Jesus. Am I right about it? We need to be in this thing wholehearted. And he said, if anybody will overcome the spirit of the age of this church, he said, I've got, a, I've got a reward for you. He said, here it is. He said, this is what you'll get. He said, I'll let you sit down in my throne. Even as I overcame and am set down in my father's throne. I got the thing about this. Old King Charles III just got 
promoted to king of England. <laughs> what a title. And all the, they've been dragging that poor old queen around for over a week now. That poor thing, they need to put her to rest. Uh, seriously, that poor woman has gone all over London and all over England. There's been drug all, I guess that's her. Some thinks that it ain't really her. Conspiracy theory, you know, all that stuff. But they, they've dragged that woman on. And I was reading that some people were standing in line 24 hours just for a chance to see the poor woman's coffin. Woo, I saw a coffin. I tell you what, when Jeff gets back, talk to him. He'll take you to see a coffin. If I mean, if you really want to see a coffin, he, he got plenty of them. He'll let you see one. <laughs> Matter of fact, he told me right after the queen died, he says, it's going, business about to pick up. He said, I think we're going to get the queen's body. <laughs> yes, I'm nuts. Charles III sitting on that throne of England. Can you imagine what that'd be like? To be in succession, be a king, sit on a throne of a country, an empire, sit there as the king of that entire people. Jesus Christ said, if you'll overcome this spirit of lukewarmness, he said, I'll let you sit in my throne, throne of the universe. Can you imagine if we stay faithful to Him and true to Him on fire, on fire for Him and doing this for the right motive, doing this for the right reason? One day Jesus will call you over, Brother Gene. Say, Gene, come here. Is my little buddy awake? I hadn't put him to sleep. Quiet. 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 Come here. He's always ready. That's what I like about him. If you ain't asleep, he's ready. Come here, boy. Come sit with me. Come on. You okay? You my buddy? Always been my buddy. But we've had a little tiff every once in a while. But here we have. He got mad at me one day. Let me know it too. <laughs> but he my buddy. We've been buddies ever since we met. He's sitting here with me. Can you imagine... Being, being Jesus' friend so much that when you get there, he said, come here, I, I want you to sit with me just a minute. That's me and you talk. On his throne. On his throne. My Lord. Can you imagine sitting in the throne of the universe in the lap of Jesus Christ and sitting there and just talking? You need a napkin. You okay? Good. I got a handkerchief now if you need one. You okay? Can you imagine sitting on the throne of the universe in Jesus' lap? All just fellowshipping that close and that real. His arms around you and you sitting there just enjoying the moment. It's what he's promised to everyone that will overcome this spirit, this church, Spirit, the Laodicean. I got to noticing something here. I tell you what, you just sit there a while. I got to go say something, okay? You just sit there. I got to noticing something in this last chapter of Revelation 3, or this chapter, Revelation 3. 
He writes to the church that is in this, the church that is in Philadelphia, the church that is in Sardis, the church that is in Thyatira. You know what he says to this church? The church of the Laodiceans. That's a big difference between being in something and that church being of. You know what that means? That church belonged to the people. You know what Laodicean means? It means rights of the people. And that's what we've come to in the churches of Jesus Christ. We're more interested in people's rights than we are the rights of Jesus Christ. The rights of Jesus Christ is the most important. We've let the spirit of the world creep into the churches where we become so worldly, so wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. We can't even really see what we've become. As we stand this morning, sis, you come on to and I ask you something real personal this morning. And I don't want a show of hands. I don't want a show of a reaction or anything. But I want you to, I want you to really answer this for yourself. How's your spiritual temperature doing? You know, if we want to know if somebody's got COVID or anything like that, we'll take the temperature first. See if they've got any kind of fever and and then we'll go from there, you know, the swab test and all like that. How's your temperature for Jesus? He said, I would that you were either cold. Just, just go ahead. Just go ahead and go completely cold on me. Because I can deal with that. He said, but I'd rather you be hot. But here you are just lukewarm. You know, it's easy in this life just to get to a point where, well, I'll go to church, but I won't be a part. I'll go to church, but if anything's going on, I, they can't count on me. I'll go to church, but I'm not really going, I'm not into it that much. He said, we need to fight and overcome that spirit. We need to be of the frame of mind that we are going to be in this thing for Jesus and be in it with everything that we are, all that we have, everything we've got. Give it all to Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen right there? Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. How's your spiritual temperature? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it just